My name is Mark Beattie. I'm Editor-in-Chief of Frontline Gastroenterology. I'd like to highlight some of the content from the May edition of the journal. The first article I'd like to talk about is on steroid use and misuse, a key performance indicator in the management of IBD. We all know that steroids are an important treatment for inflammatory bowel disease, although have no role in maintaining remission and that there are significant side effects, particularly when used long-term. In this issue, Blackwell and colleagues discuss use and misuse. This is in the context of appropriate steroid use being regarded as a key performance indicator in the management of inflammatory bowel disease. This excellent paper discusses the indications for corticosteroid use, risks and strategies to reduce use and misuse. It includes information on preparations and dosing regimes, an up-to-date discussion of toxicity and the management of side effects, including how best to prevent. And the authors finish by challenging us to audit our practice, which we should do to ensure we have in place a robust team approach to the management of inflammatory bowel disease, with the early use of steroid-sparing treatments where possible. The second article I'd like to discuss is Obesity Management for the Gastroenterologist, Editor's Choice this month. It's well known that obesity is a risk factor for adverse health outcomes short, medium and long term. In the UK, approximately one in four adults are obese and one in three are overweight, as defined by body mass index. Gastrointestinal and hepatic complications are common and can present earlier than cardiometabolic disease. This has important implications for gastroenterologists and hepatologists. In this issue, Ansari and colleagues provide an excellent overview in the form of a curriculum-based clinical review, which includes discussion of pathophysiology, medical and surgical management, as well as the role of endobariatrics and the gut microbiome. There's a great deal of useful information Table 2 highlights quantified risk factors and physiological mechanisms of selected gastrointestinal diseases associated with obesity in adults. It's very interesting reading. Table 5 summarizes the NICE guidance for weight loss in adults, which include a significant reduction in calorie intake in conjunction with increased physical activity as part of a long-term consistent behavior change. Bariatric and metabolic surgery is discussed in detail, including early and late complications, blood monitoring, and the need for long-term multivitamin and micronutrient supplementation. This article is essential for trainees, but it's also essential for all of those who come across obesity in their clinical practice and want to impact on long-term outcomes. The third article relates to specialist inflammatory bowel disease nursing in the UK, current situation and future-proofing. There are around 500,000 patients with inflammatory bowel disease in the UK. The numbers are increasing, as is the complexity of case management with ever-expanding treatment options. We all agree inflammatory bowel disease clinical nurse specialists are essential to the safe and effective delivery of a quality service, facilitating access, education, continuity and support. However, the numbers of posts remain less than recommended, 
with not all patients having access to an IBD clinical nurse specialist support team. In this issue, Young and colleagues highlight the current situation and discuss future proofings. This includes discussion of the More IBD Nurses Better Care campaign launched by Crohn's and Colitis UK in 2016 and its positive impact. The authors consider issues like recruitment and retention, training and support, and set a standard which we would all like to achieve that more than 95% of the charity supporters report access to an IBD specialist nurse team. We clearly need to continue to work with our charity partners to ensure we achieve this. The next article relates to IBD and pregnancy, recent advances and practical management. There are many complexities to the management of IBD and pregnancy. In this issue, Christine Sellinger and colleagues discuss recent advances in practical management. Active IBD is associated with an increased risk of preterm birth, low for gestation weight and fetal loss. The clinical priority is to maintain disease remission, with mostly the risk of a flare-up being greater than the risk from medication. The authors discuss a wide range of issues including fertility, preconception management, risk of IBD in offspring, and in detail, the management during pregnancy. There are useful sections on the safety of different medications, obstetric and perinatal complications, mode of delivery, vaccination, and infant feeding. It's great to have all this information in one place, up-to-date and authoritative. In a linked article in this edition, and with the intent to reduce variation, the team have developed standards for the provision of antenatal care for patients with inflammatory bowel disease. This document is endorsed by the British Society of Gastroenterology and the British Maternal and Fetal Medicine Society and used Delphi methodology in its construction. There are 15 statements agreed by consensus. IBD and obstetric services should review their current practice against these standards and regular audits using these proposed standards can then be used to guide quality improvement. The next article I'd like to cover relates to the development of a novel device. So this is the development and evaluation of a novel protective device for upper gastrointestinal endoscopy in the COVID-19 pandemic, the e-box. During the initial phase of the COVID-19 pandemic, there were significant constraints on endoscopy services with a virtual cessation of endoscopic activity. Although services have restarted with the pre-procedure testing and improved patient protective equipment, there is still continued uncertainty regarding the longer-term impact of COVID-19 on our clinical practice. There have been many innovations in this issue, McLeod and colleagues report the development and evaluation of a novel protective device for upper gastrointestinal endoscopy. The detail is in the paper. In summary, the authors describe a new device which may protect healthcare workers and therefore improve access to endoscopy. They evaluate its effectiveness in containing droplets during a simulated cough and then evaluate the clinical utility of the e-box in a small series of complex endoscopic procedures, 
ERCP and endoscopic ultrasound. It's a really interesting read as a practical innovation with the potential to keep the endoscopy team during endoscopic procedures on the infected patient safe. The final article I'd like to cover, Gastroenterology 2021 from the heart of the pandemic. It's an interesting reflective review by our two of our new trainee editors. The ongoing COVID-19 pandemic has dominated much of our time and energies in 2020 with uncertainty, stresses, the need to change our mindset and practices, but also challenges and opportunities. Oliver Tavabi and Jenny Clough look back over the past year and review what we've learned about COVID-19 and its effect on how we work as gastroenterologists, as well as summarising questions that remain unanswered. It's really interesting to work through. Evidence and policy emerged at an unprecedented rate, and we started to think about how we would live and work in the new normal. Let's hope 2021 is better, and that we embed into our practice some of the lessons learned and innovations made. I'd like to finish by just saying please enjoy this issue. Please continue to read, enjoy and feedback on the journal. Follow us on Twitter. Engage in our regular Twitter debates. And listen to the podcasts which are accessed via the journal website. I'm Mark Beatty, Editor-in-Chief of Frontline Gastroenterology. Thanks for listening.